Hello, and welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. The podcast ended its run in 2021, but all Fortune's Wheelhouse episodes remain available for all tarot explorers to enjoy. And we'll be periodically updating the intro and the outro with news and offerings from your co-hosts. The big news for me right now is that my latest book, The Living Tarot, is now out. This is the book version of my online class, which is also called The Living Tarot. Whether you go for the book or the class or both, the idea here is to help you recognize how the images in the cards relate to your everyday, ordinary life. As you master that language of fluent metaphor, you'll enter into a deep, rich conversation with the world of symbol. And that conversation, I personally believe, is the key to re-enchanting your own life. If you're new to tarot, this is the book that will get you up and running. And if you're an experienced reader already, it's meant to help fill in any remaining gaps that you might or might not realize that you have. And if you buy the book, you can send me a copy of the receipt for a $22 discount off the cost of the online living tarot class. If you're in the online class, you get a monthly Zoom meeting with me and other students, feedback from me on the major assignments, and if you graduate, a one-question reading from me. Oh my God, guys, it's such a good deal. If you'd like to send me your receipt, you can do that at tsusanchang.com slash livingtarotbook. tsusanchang.com slash livingtarotbook. Now, here's what Mel's been up to. She's just rebuilt her tarotcart.com website, which has a new info page about Thoth-inspired decks and a blog feature with weekly tarot articles. She also has a new auction site for one-of-a-kind creations, out-of-print items, prints, and original art, and that's at tarotcart.auction. Mel's first deck, the Rosetta Tarot, is back in a new large edition. It's the same size as the large edition of the Tabula Mundi Tarot, if you're familiar with that, and it has vibrant borders with English titles and correspondence symbols, and the card backs are printed with metallic ink. That's available at tarotcart.com. Mel will also soon be launching a new, ceremonially rendered, talismanic tarot. The major arcana are based on their descriptions in Alistair Crowley's 777, and the minors are based on the magical images of the Deccans, also from 777. I don't know about you, but I'm very excited about Mel's new deck. For info about when the new tarot deck launches, and auction listings, and new tarot editions, and article links, and special sales, you can sign up for Mel's newsletter via the link at tarotcart.com. As for me, I've also just created a new thing I'd like to tell you about. You know the Nine of Swords in Rider-Waite-Smith? If you're like me, you may have noticed the beautiful blanket on the bed of the person having a nervous breakdown in that card. All my life, I've wanted that blanket, and recently, I created my own. It's got red roses, hand-drawn by me, and zodiacal glyphs on a blue patchwork background, and I made it while Mars was in the second decan of Gemini. If you're listening to this podcast, you'll know why that's important. You can purchase your very own Nine of Swords blanket at redbubble.com slash people slash tarotista slash shop. If you love Fortune's Wheelhouse, 
please consider supporting us on Patreon. Your monthly donations allow us to keep these episodes on the air for our many repeat listeners. And you also gain access to the archive of hundreds of posts and articles that we wrote for our original Patreon supporters. You can sign up for a one-time or recurring donation at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, thereby cementing your legacy as a superhero of the astral realm and earning our undying gratitude. Once again, that's patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. And now... Here's this week's episode. Okay, here we are. We are ready to bring you the night of Cups or the Prince of Cups. Knight of Cups in Rider Wade Smith, Prince of Cups in Thoth and Tabula Mundi. Otherwise known as the Prince of the Chariot of the Waters and the Prince and Emperor of Nymphs and Undines. <laughs> <laughs> nymphs and Undies! Nymphs and Undies! <laughs> Sounds like a Victoria's Secret commercial. <laughs> You know, it's so confusing that they do prince and emperor like that. Again, it's that confusion with the male courts. Is he a prince? Is he a knight? Is he a king? And it makes you realize that all those terms are basically interchangeable at some level. So, uh, and if you like, while you're following along, you could pull out the King of Cups from Rider Waite Smith as well, since they're Maybe some parallels you can see with the Thoth Prince of Cups and the Tabula Mundi Prince of Cups. So, elementally, we have the airy part of water, which we can compare to the watery part of air in the form of the Queen of Swords. So what do we mean by the airy part of water? Yeah, if you're talking about actual water itself, you could consider its volatility, its currents... Things like fog and mist. Yes, bubbles in the water. Yeah, because water really can Champagne. Have. Champagne, exactly. <laughs> Air of water. <laughs> um, and also fermentation carbonation, which is very, very appropriate Scorpio, for Scorpio. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we both went there. Well, also the idea that clouds are air and water as well, yeah. right? So, yep. you know, you see that especially with the Queen of Swords in her realm of clouds. But you can also get that it, sense It's almost from this. as if it's about rain rather than the cloud itself. It's after the cloud expresses itself. Right, because where does rain come from? So, so we're talking, you know, with these cards about a water cycle, about fluid dynamics, and about all of the different ways that water can behave. And, you know, and water does behave in so many different ways. The other thing about water and air... I always refer mentally myself to this card as the bridge because mm -hmm. I think of a bridge as it involves both air and water. Over water, air, through oh, air. Yeah, right. the bridge is through the air, over the water. And I think of this card as being a form of bridge between the reasoning faculties and the emotional realm. So there's something about applying intellect the process of intellect to the emotions or a bridge between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. 
and that's air of water or, or yes. love of water. Um, mm-hmm. the, there's a masculine and feminine connection there. And the mm-hmm. bridge is like a, that connecting force. Yes. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, so elementally, air and water are considered elementally neutral. So air is opposed to earth. It's friendly with fire, but it's neutral with water. And so, you know, you can have them combine in ways that are not inimical to each other. Yeah, like a bridge. Like a bridge. Yeah. Like a bridge. They may not be the same, but they do share a quality, don't they? So with um, air and fire, you share an upward quality. With air and water, you share a moisture quality. So air is hot and moist and, you know, elementally, and water is cold and moist. So although they do not share temperature and gravity direction, they share a humidity content. (laughs) And they share something similar in that they're when I think of air over water, it's that horizon line, you know, yes. that meeting of the heavens and the waters. And there's constant communication between air and water because of the water cycle and because of water circulating in the way it does. It's not as though they are ever completely divorced the way air and earth are, yep. theoretically. So the uh, the airy part of water, I guess, so as an abstract, airy qualities are qualities of changefulness, as you were saying, volatility. Uh, so we would expect him to be a person of volatile emotions. And so he is. Yes. Whereas the watery part of air, the watery part is the connective part of an element. So so we would expect the Queen of Swords to be a connector of the intellect, which she is, a yes. pattern maker. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yes, he is, he is certainly a volatile creature and we'll be talking a lot about that. One of the things that I like that Liber Theta says about the princes in general is how, because they're a combination of the, the parents, so he's, he's, he's a combination. In this case, he's a combination of his father, the knight or king of cups and his mother, the queen of cups. And what it says about princes in general is that they're both rapid and enduring, vain and illusionary unless set in motion by the father and the mother. So in this case, you know, his function as this this bridge between the conscious mind, the vow force, and the unconscious mind, the water suit, is can be illusionary unless it's set in motion by the father and the mother. So what does that really mean? To me, it means unless it's backed by the uh, idealism qualities of his father and the reflective qualities of his mother. That makes sense. And it's also interesting to consider that you're always going to have a bridge of air and water three times throughout the year. You're going to have it here in Libra to Scorpio. You're going to have it in Gemini to Cancer. Gemini to Cancer. And you're, you're going to have it in Aquarius to Pisces as well. So there's always this moment of tension where, where the, those two elements meet. Uh, and you know, that's interesting because we, we, we probably will see, um, similar situations in the other courts as well, where you have a transfer of power from one element to the next, always from, uh, calendrically. So it's not the same as, as we go in the order and the tree of life fire, water, air, earth, but calendrically, we will go from 
uh, fire to earth always transfer of power from fire to earth as in Aries to Taurus will go and uh, transfer of power from earth to air as in Taurus to Gemini and then as we see air to water and then it starts again in the transfer from water to fire. The other thing I think that's cool about this guy being sort of a bridge is when we were talking about the Scorpio Deccan cards, that idea of, you know, the, the rivers of yeah. the underground yeah. and, mm-hmm. and something about when you think about a bridge, it's usually not over the ocean or over a lake. It's generally over a, a river. <laughs> right. That's very true. Sometimes you'll have it over another road or something, but usually it's over a river. And a body rivers water. do seem kind of air of watery, just their snaking motion and their yeah. churning rapids. They do. So, uh, so here we have, so specifically we're talking about the interchange from Libra to Scorpio. So from the justice or adjustment card to the death card. That's just a really interesting moment. It includes the thinning of the veil, the moment of Samhain. Um, and so t- we would expect that this emotionally volatile character would be our guide through that transition. So he's coming from a place of, in, from an intellectual place to a place of feeling, as we were saying, from a place of intellectual balancing to a place of emotional depth. Yeah, like like all the the princes, he has this huge pendulum swing of extremes between disappointment and pleasure. Yes. They all yes. seem to have that. All the princes seem to have these two really opposing Deccan cards. In the five and six specifically. In the fives and sixes, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, as his shadow card, he has this, the four of swords, truce, and then his main scorpionic cards would be the five of cups, disappointment, and the six of cups, pleasure. So his two main cards are martial just because they're scorpion cards, but mm-hmm. disappointment is ruled by Mars and pleasure is ruled by the sun. So again, you have that really strong, you know, virile kind of nature, but then he's got the four of swords, truce as his shadow, and that's not really his nature. It's it's not his nature to mediate between these extremes. He seeks those those highs and, and, and lows and that. Yes, it's almost like he already knows what it's like to be still and he doesn't want any more of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it is part of his nature to be aware of that, but he's moving away from it. And the Deccan of Scorpio that he lacks is the Seven of Cups. So there's no Venus here. It's all very mass planetary rulers, Jupiter, Mars, and the Sun. Although the Jupiter is in Libra, a Venus-ruled sign. That's true. So there's a changeover there. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. There's a pure quality Kabbalistically about this because he's these are double cards, four of swords, five of cups, and six of cups, uh, in the same way that we have doubling, Kabbalistically double cards for the king or knight of wands, um, I guess seven of cups, eight of wands, and nine of wands. So he can be thought of as like an embodiment of this part of the tree of life, the chesed to Givora to Tiferet, going from Jupiter mm-hmm. to Mars to Sun and what yeah. that's like. Yeah. Going from the sort of ease and blessings of Jupiter to starting to mix it up and then trying to uh, balance that within yourself. Between the five and the six, 
I think of it as desire and the death of desire. There's a real whiplash (laughs) going on with him. (laughs) But the Six of Cups is is really important card in relation to this, because not only is it one of his decans, but as a prince, the Six of Cups, the Sixes, you know, the prince is all associated with the Sephira Tiferet. So mm-hmm. that's right. dually one of his cards. Right. He and his mother both. So yeah. queens always and princes always have the association with the correct Sephira. So the queen has the third Sephira uh, and the three of whatever suit it is. The prince has the sixth Sephira and the sixth of whatever suit it is. So the sign of Scorpio, we've been doing these, these mottos. Um, Scorpio's motto is I desire. I really like those mottos. I do too. They're, they're, they're basically one word because it's all I this, I mm-hmm. that, but they sum it up mm-hmm. pretty darn, pretty darn faithfully. If you had to distill it to one word, it's mm-hmm. pretty good. Mm-hmm. So what is the one for Libra before that? So I'd be looking at I balance, of course. Oh, of course. So I so balance the, gives way. So the queen of swords would be I balance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Right. So anyway, Scorpio, I desire. And you can see that, you know, that Mars martial quality of, yeah. of desire nature. Yeah, in the Five of Cups for sure. The 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 sense of loss that goes with all desire mm. as well. So you have um the the end of balance in the four of swords, that um that moment where you get to equilibrium, I guess, and then followed by the the inrush of desire and loss mm. that comes with the five and six. So we talked about the Scorpio cards as being sort of a death process, the shock of death, yeah. the coming to terms with death and bargaining, and then the transmuting of whatever the process is, moving on to the next thing in the seven. Yeah, but here we don't have the moving on yet. We just have the yeah. shock of death and the yeah. and the and the uh, going deep into yeah. the desire uh, the sacrifice. and the death of desire. You're right. I'm just thinking about what motivates him. And I was thinking about what we were saying before as these decans as being some something like our zodiacal personalities. The face that he presents to the world is often one of pleasure, creativity, storytelling. I think of him as an actor. Yes, yes, an you actor know. and a storyteller, definitely. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Mm-hmm. And he has that ability to fictionalize which is also an ability to lie. <laughs> yes, the slippery serpent. He gets so caught up in the story that I think of him as a person who is an incredibly effective liar because they actually believe what they're saying. He has that, um, I can't remember if it's sociopath or psychopath <laughs> quality. <laughs> I also think that there are lies of omission. And these are the types of lies I associate with this character uh, because he's quite secretive. Yes, scorpionic and secretive. But we talked a little bit about him as the six, as the balance of uh, Teferet. So maybe we could just talk for a second about when he's behaving well and when he's behaving badly. <laughs> so I guess when he's behaving well, you know, he gets to uh, the way a story can get to the truth of something. Right. Right. An emotional truth. I think he's a seeker of knowledge. That connection he has with the serpent of wisdom, he really wants to go deep and get to the bottom of things. Yeah. Yeah. I think of him as like 
a patron of metaphor because he's not saying the exact thing, but he's helping you understand it by comparing it to something else. Yeah. And getting down to the root source of things can be a very healing, transformative right. process. You have to. Yeah. You have to. I think of him as being welcome wherever he goes because he is, you know, all knights travel, all princes travel. And I imagine him as being welcomed into a community the way they used to welcome a bard into a community, right? Because he was the entertainment. (laughs) I could also see something of the doctor and the healer Mm -hmm. in this card, just because of that, that serpent wisdom. That snaky quality. Yeah. 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 And well, this is interesting because I often relate this kind of serpent to the, the serpent in the garden, right? The serpent in the garden, it's a story of betrayal and loss, but it's also a story of bringing, gaining knowledge. Yes, bringing knowledge. Right. And wisdom and sex, which is very Scorpionic and part of this card mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Scorpio rules the generative organs. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Right. So, so at his best, he has the ability to fuse all these things into this potent combination that everybody wants to drink. Mm-hmm. But you can easily see how that can go out of balance and cause problems. We talked a little bit about his secretiveness and, and lies of omission because I think he has a really passionate, fierce nature. But he closed that in an outer calm form. Yes. It's all roiling beneath the surface. That's true. You um, know, he's very subtle. He even has though that, he has that fierceness, that passion. You know, on the, on the outside also, you see his, uh, you know, that scorpionic tenacity and that ability to the fixed emotion, the ability to hold on to, uh, something. And it, underneath is the explosive stuff. Right. But, it will come out as stubbornness. It will come out as jealousy. Right. It will come Vengeful, out as vengefulness. Grudges. Yeah. He will hold a grudge forever. for ever. Life. <laughs> yes. And maybe beyond. Maybe beyond. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, very different from the Libra Queen of Swords we were talking about before. I mean, she will get angry and cut your head off, but then it's over. Yeah. Yeah. There's a uh, quote about scorpion symbolism in this trusty old penguins dictionary of symbols that I Mm -hmm. thought was pretty cool because it sort of relates to this card a bit. Mm -hmm. So this is an African legend. And according to the legend, the scorpion said, I am neither an elemental spirit nor a demon. I am a creature which brings death to whoever touches me. I have two horns and a tail, which I brandish. My horns are called savagery and hate. And the dagger in my tail is called the avenging stabber. I give birth only once. Pregnancy, a sign of increase among all other creatures, is for me the signal of forthcoming death. Mm. That reminds me the story of the, I think it's the turtle and the scorpion. There's a fable of crossing yeah, the river, right? Stings the tortoise. To yeah, death and they and- both die. And the turtle's like, why'd you do that? It's in my nature, right? Cannot help it. Yeah, this is someone who's in the grip of a, a powerful spell on his character that he can't break. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about the Sephira, so I can go into the historical stuff some. So so the Knight of Cups is an interesting one in terms of the cardamantic history because... Or um, Prince of Cups. Sorry, Knight of Cups, Prince of well, Cups. It's, yeah. Prince of Cups for Thoth. Yeah, that makes it clearer. So Knight of Cups, Rider Waite, Prince of Cups, 
Thoth. Uh, so he's an interesting one because, you know, theoretically in playing cards, we don't have knights. The jacks of playing cards are the same as the pages or princesses of the tarot deck. However, I have to say that the knave of hearts characteristics, you know, from the story of the, the knave of hearts stealing the tarts are very much those of this card. Um, you know, the knave of hearts, he stole those tarts and took them clean away. And then the king of hearts punishes him. And he says, the knave of hearts brought back the tarts and swore he'd steal no more. So to me, that's very like five of cups, six of cups. You know, I was bad. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, and this sort of um person who's at the at the mercy of their desires, you know, see the tart, take the tart, just can't help it. But but in terms of um, tarot history, in the Solabuska deck, he's identified with this figure called Natanabo, which is actually better known as, I think, the Egyptian way of putting it is Nectanebo. So he was the last king, Nectanebo II, before Alexander. And it was said that Nectanebo or Natanabo was an amazing magician. He was a wizard, a sorcerer, a seeker of knowledge. So Nectanebo was this king-like figure who picked up on the fact that conquest was coming to his country. He picked it up in prophecy long, long, long before. And there's a myth that he actually is the father of Alexander. So this is one of those euhemeristic myths where they take the famous figure and they say, okay, if you're going to rule our country, we're going to make up a myth that makes you like in the bloodline. So we don't feel so bad about it. So, so the story of the parentage of the myth that goes with the parentage of Alexander was that King Philip of Macedon had a wife, Olympia, and that Natanabu or Nectanebo, the Egyptian king, seduced Olympia, but in snake form. So he foresaw the conquest of his country. He knew there was going to be a ruler from Macedonia who was going to come. He impregnated the Macedonian king's wife, Olympia, in the form of a snake. And there's, and in the myth itself is great because what this Nectanebo does is he comes and he, you know, he, he ingratiates himself. He doesn't say that he's a king. He's in disguise. He Talk ingrati- about a snake in the grass. Seriously, he's in disguise. <laughs> he tells her all these stories about dreams she's going to have, prophecies she's going to have, gods that are going to visit her, including one who will come in his form and lie with her. You know, she's thinking that she's lying with a god who is, in fact, him. So she doesn't think that she's doing something just, you know, straying with some ordinary guy. Or snake. Yeah, exactly. One of the things he tells her is that a snake will come to you. And then someone in my form, not me, but someone in my form will come to you. So he tells her all these stories, right? (laughs) And that's so much a part of this card. It's like, I believe in you because I believe in your stories. And I am seduced literally by your stories into doing this thing. Um, my desire nature is awoken by your storytelling. So, um, so, so in a sense, he is, um, in some versions, he is the father of Alexander. And in some versions, he is a magician who teaches Alexander. But either way, he is, you know, um, he finds a way, this magician finds a way to become involved in the greatest emperor 
in living history. So, uh, and then also he has, uh, in terms of the cardomantic meanings of this card, the prince or knight of cups, um, Atea has him as meaning, you know, someone who is a bit of a rogue. Um, it signals a message, of course, because all knights are travelers, but it can be one of your friends, one of your parents who comes to visit you and is very agreeable to the extent that they're actually giving you some money, <laughs> but reversed, it's a sign of trickery and you will be like tricked and wronged and humiliated in public. So both sides of this card are in here. And I think that we will see also that weight picks up on that in a moment. I think of him as like the Nigerian prince with the unexpected the money, yeah, right? right? You know, it's like, here, you're going to win a fortune. All you have to do is give me your bank account number. So good luck with that. Snake oil salesman. <laughs> Snake oil salesman. Exactly. All right. So shall we look at weight? Sure. Okay. So, oh, I look at him and I just know he's going to take me for a ride. <laughs> Here he is, heir of water. And just like you were saying, the bridge maker, he's about to cross. He's about to cross a river. A river. Yeah. yeah. Yep. The Scorpionic River. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, another thing that says heir of water to me are the winged heels and helmet. So very mercurial. Absolutely. Air type thing, wings, but also speaking about messages from the subconscious. So that whole air of water thing going on. The For messenger. Sure. Yes, yes. Um, and interestingly enough, you don't see wings on any other Knight Prince Rider Wade Smith helmets. It's only this guy. Not even on the Knight of Swords where you might expect yeah, he has a He does have a message and it's coming mm-hmm. from the unconscious or subconscious realm. That's interesting because we don't have any... Let's see, Jupiter, Mars, Sun. We don't have any mercurial presence. Mm. This is one of the few cards that don't, (laughs) which is interesting. He's got fishies on his armor. I would really like to know how that works. Yeah, they all have, it seems like all the weight court cups have fishes, but in this case, it's appropriate just because noon, Scorpio, the letter noon means fish. Particularly appropriate. But since they all have fish, I don't know if you can really say that, but Mm -hmm. here it fits. Here it fits particularly for that, for that well. reason mm-hmm. as well as in the pisces cards right his uh horses oh gosh i don't know what you call that gear but it's also got waves on it yeah so basically what we're seeing is air and water um symbolism on on what he's wearing yeah it's pretty straightforward mm-hmm. yeah and i sort of think that if you look at the gray horse that could be a reference to his relationship with his father um you know hokma is associated with gray Mm-hmm. And the Niter King would be associated with gray as well. Yeah. And I also noticed that while we have a water feature, we have a, a river flowing through it. There's also so much air in this card, mm. right? It's just like, yeah, the know, horizon's really low. It's a big sky in a way that we really don't see with other cards in the cups suit. So there's a real emphasis on sky and air. Oh, you know, look at this. If you look at the death card, the horse is standing in the same way. Oh, yeah. So he is. One right foreleg up. His head is a little down, but other than Mm -hmm. that, he's got the same posture. The plume on the death's helmet almost looks like the wings on his helmet as well. And the way that the death is holding the flag in his right hand is the way that the Knight of Cups or Prince of Cups is holding the cup in his right hand. 
There's definitely an echo there. The way that the the Knight of or Prince of Cups is writing in has that inevitability in the same way as the death card. You know, and if you look at if you squint at the death card, it's almost as if the white horse is going over a river because of the blue garments that it's stepping over. And then we also have, you know, if you look at the six of cups, Rider Wade Smith, you have the one figure handing the cup to the other with their right hand, also a similar um scenario. And you have in the five of cups the river that uh, stretches into the background. Mm. You could say that there are elements of each. Let's see. So what did Waite say about this card? Oh, yes. <laughs> Waite said, okay, arrival approach, sometimes that of a messenger. Okay, sure. Uh, a visit from a friend who will bring unexpected money to the inquirer. And then reverse trickery, artifice, subtlety, swindling, duplicity, fraud. <laughs> it's a theme. I don't know. I look at this guy and I've always, even before I really knew much about the associations, his face just looks smarmy to me. <laughs> I think he's like, he's ingratiating. I don't know if that's just like a Queen of Swords quality I'm channeling that I just feel like I'm seeing straight through the bullshit. I don't know. I've always thought about these two and the kind of like, relationship that they would have because the the queen of swords likes to be entertained oh you know she likes to dance but i i think that she would get really pissed off at this guy at some <laughs> point and there would be a violent confrontation in which he would lose his head <laughs> um, and apparently i didn't really look at it closely but apparently this looks quite a bit like the sola busca knight of cups the Natanabo one how about thoth yeah look at this guy well, we can read the book tea description here because oh, yeah. I think it applies to this card as well. Excellent. A winged princely figure with winged crown seated in a chariot drawn by an eagle. On the chariot wheel is the symbol of a scorpion. The eagle is borne as a crest on his crown, cuirass, and buskins, general attire like prince of wands. Beneath his chariot is the calm and stagnant water of a lake. His armor resembles feathers more than scales. He holds in one hand a lotus and in the other a cup, charged with the sigil of his scale, Vav. A serpent issues from the cup and has its head tending down towards the waters of the lake. Oh, I see. So, wait, clothed like the Prince of Wands? He ain't got no clothes on. Is the Prince of Wands also naked? I can't remember. I know a lot of those princes in Thoth are pretty buff. Uh, Oh, wait, no, 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 no. If he's naked, he's he's got green skin. He's got... Didn't he say that he's partly clad in armor, which seems, however, rather a growth than a carving, mm, right? So like his armor is like man. fused to Aquaman. Right. <laughs> the, uh, the armor is like fused to him. And his wings in this case are made of steam, Crowley says. Yeah. What does so he say? Air, Tenuous. Air of water. Almost of gas. So are all of these cloudy things, are those all wings of I, his? Or? I always assumed that those were his wings. He's got like 10 of them. <laughs> well, maybe they're just or maybe they're fluffy. Yeah, fluffy. And then you see the surface of the water. It looks like raindrops are hitting it. So again, that's more air of water. Mm-hmm. That idea of rain and of air of water also makes me think of the feathered serpent. So you yes. know the the serpent that is part bird and part like, like, so there's quetz- air Quetzalcoatl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that serpent was associated with rain and uh, weather. There's also the uh, the serpent. Ananta, the one that circled the world, another feathered serpent. Or the Midgard serpent as well, although I don't know if that was a feathered one. And the fact that he's holding the cup with the serpent in it, it makes me think of the Serpent of Wisdom, of course, but also 
the Yod, uh, his father, Hokma, and the Yod force inside the cup, which is oh, Bina yeah. and Hay. So those are his two parents that he's carrying with there him. You there you go. There you like go. Like it said, you know, vain and illusionary and less set in motion by the father and mother. So it's a reminder that he needs to have the wisdom and understanding. Right. And there is also, um, I think we were talking about in the Queen of Cups, the Sola Busca has the Queen of Cups holding the cup with the serpent in it as well. So there's kind of a connection there. The serpent cup, I think, is also associated sometimes with Dionysus and also with the yeah. knowledge of medicines. It's another symbolic thing. So we've got the eagle and we've got the serpent, but we don't have the scorpion. No. And I think Crowley says something like the scorpion is is hidden because it's I don't know if he says it's secret. Yeah, he does. He, says something like he that. does. He says the putrefaction, which it represents, is an extremely secret process, which is um, interesting. And yet, you know, you can almost imagine that it's the fermentation that's causing the air to bubble up out of the water. Yeah. 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 Like in the death card. Right. The manifested portion of Scorpio, symbolized by the eagle, he says, is in reality the least important part of his nature. Interesting. I don't know what he means by that exactly. He wrote a ton about this because he usually writes a lot about cards that are very important to him. So I checked his chart and he had Mercury in this decan or in one of these decans. Uh. So he cared. Because <laughs> these descriptions that are sort of, you know, mixed positive, mixed negative, but very deeply felt sound like something that he had in his chart. Some some of the things he says all also make it seem as if maybe he had a bad run-in with one of these people. Could have been. The moral characteristics are subtlety, secret violence, and craft. I love that. Well, it kind of makes sense when you think of the uh, geomantic figure for this card, which is oh, yeah. Rubius. Yeah, the worst of them all. Yeah, Mars mm-hmm. and Scorpio and passion and uh, temptation and, and bad temper. Right, right. So the 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 um the figure of Rubius, two dots on top, one dot next, and then two dots in the remaining lines, is said to be an overturned cup. So that's oh, interesting. Interesting, yeah. right? Yep. Um and that uh, passion in terms of the five yeah. of cups. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. Passion, right. deception, and vice so bad that if you get it in a reading first, you're supposed to Throw out the reading yeah. and try again yeah, another day. Yeah, it's supposed day. to be a very evil uh, omen. Rubeus, of course, associated with Mars, the redness of Mars, Mars ruling Scorpio. So it's all connected. I think it was Liber Theta, perhaps, that said about this card that this the Scorpio is drawn to evil if it's powerful or wise. Mm. So it's not so much that you know, Scorpios are evil. Mm-hmm. It's that they're drawn to power and wisdom and they right. might not care about the moral aspect of it as long as it's powerful and wise. Now, the hexagram, we can talk about that. We uh, can. 61. Right. Is it Kung Fu or Chung Fu or am I going to well, no, say that okay, wrong? Okay, <laughs> so that, that, he got it wrong. Ah. So, so I, I wondered if it was Kung Fu because that would be really interesting, right? right? But Kung Fu is actually Gong Fu. That's, uh, okay. that's how you would say it in Chinese. This is Zhong Fu. Okay. And they used to, what they used to do is they used to make that just sound and make it in English look like K, which is just wrong. So, but so Zhong Fu, uh, is, uh, this, um, Hexagram 61, as you said, and it has the, uh, the Dwe, 
um, water figure on the bottom, but the air figure... Wind, air, wind. Right, exactly. It's wind, specifically, um, which is shun uh, on the top. So shun over dwey, wind over swamp, air over water is the way that that translates. And uh, it's supposed to be inner truth or center returning. What do you have yeah, for it? Yeah, that's what I have, inner mm-hmm. truth or inmost sincerity. Right, right. And the meaning was to win over your opponent's point of view. Which I thought was really interesting, both in the terms of the snake oil salesman type qualities, but also in the more positive sense, you know, as a bridge between the emotions and the intellect to win over someone else, you have to appeal to their emotions in an intellectual way. Yeah, you do. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and also, uh, there's a myth that's associated with it. If you look at the different sort of, commentaries there's a lot about pigs and fish and that's interesting because i think the idea was that when you make sacrifice to the god you're supposed to sacrifice large animals but weren't always able to do that because you don't have a large animal or it's the wrong season or whatever so they would sacrifice pigs and fish and that was meant to convey that the inner spirit was there the willingness without necessarily the thing itself which seems very much the nature of this card you know, an inner truth with that, with an external, not exactly a match. Um, and also it's, it's interesting because I associate, you know, pigs with Mars kind of. Yeah. I yeah. Do too, actually. Yeah. Mars especially. Mars especially yeah. and the tower, right? Yeah. And, uh, and fish, of course, just because it's watery. Yeah. The letter nun meaning fish associated with this card, Scorpio. Those hexagram influencers. The two that were associated with 61 mm-hmm. are 27, which had a meaning of nurture, and mm. 62, which has a meaning of conserve. And I thought that was kind of interesting, too, because the Scorpio personality can both nurture and conserve. It can hold yes. back and be secretive, but could also be very giving and transformative. So right. it has both of those qualities and it yeah. almost is like the five and six of cups to mm-hmm. conserve to hold back you know and then to to nurture to give the pleasure and the disappointment the uh that form of the hexagram it's interesting because you have sort of solid bars on the outside and then broken ones in the middle creating an open space in the middle confusingly crowley compared that to the geomantic figure of carcer uh, which is actually Capricorns. Yeah. yeah, but it's the prison. So yeah. that, that relates yeah. to that enclosure, confinement qualities about it, which can be both nurturing and punitive. What's with his throne? I'm not sure, but it looks like a giant shell to me. It does, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It does. Although the swirls on the side almost look like eyes. It's creepy. And he's just kind of skimming over the water, it looks like. Yes. There's something very sinister about this card to me. He's not looking at you, Mm. but there's an incredible impression of power. Yeah, very contained power. Right. All right. Shall we look at your card? Okay. So um, from the Five of Cups... You see, so his his crest is the eagle, and you do see the eagle there. The bald eagle, yeah. The bald eagle, and he's clutching that fish bones from the uh, <laughs> Five of Cups of Disappointment. Right. Um, right. Pleasures has been picked over. <laughs> <laughs> and from the Six of Cups, you see the, the, the river itself or the waters itself 
Um, and that whole background with the sun rising comes directly from the six card. Then from the four of swords, truce, you have the Vajra on the front of his chariot, along with the, the scorpions, um, as mentioned in book mm-hmm. T. The figure itself, he's again holding the cup with the, um, the snake peeking out of it. Uh, one thing that's kind of, if any of you have the black and white version of this deck, it doesn't have the snake. Really? Is yeah. that true? It is true. Wow. So that's, uh, there are, Neat. there are a couple of very subtle differences from the black and white version to the color version. And one of them is that actually in, also in the Knight of Cups, I don't think he had the, um, crab claw coming out of his cup in the black and white version. And in this mm-hmm. card, he didn't have the snake coming out. I added those in when I painted them in color. So that's right. just a little that's interesting, so interesting tidbit. And, you know, those of you who don't know, Mel, actually, you painted the original black and whites, yeah. right? So the original black and whites don't are exist, no longer. Right. They're only I painted over the black and white existing. drawings. Right. Yeah. So that's cool. His wings are interesting here because I made them the wings of a flying fish. <laughs> That's I just great. Thought that was funny. The fish for noon, Scorpio. And, yeah, uh, flying fish had flying to be in there, fish right? for air. You know, air and wa- air of water. That's perfect. So I had to make the flying yeah. fish uh, part of the card. And to me, a flying fish. I don't know. There's something very pleasurable about a flying fish. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, why would it do that if it weren't fun? Yeah, of course. <laughs> the the eagle. You know, is both an emblem of Scorpio and part of the crest and also from the, um, the six of cups. Then you see the waters that are of the background and they kind of have this undulating quality to them. If you look closely, they do. And that's both a kind of serpent, serpentine motion, but also that's how the waters are described in those golden dawn descriptions we've been talking about in the last two cards. So. It says for Scorpio, it says undulating surface of water, a wisely dispensing force. Mm. For what mm. that's worth. Did you have a particular place in mind when you drew this in the Six of Cups? No, not an actual real place, mm-hmm. but it is mm-hmm. meant to be like it has the a, feeling a, a of a large river kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. I love rivers personally. Yeah. Big fan of rivers in general. So, so there's, there's a section here where there's water behind and then water before is it as if there's a spit of land and the river's going around it. Yeah. So there's a twisty, snaky quality yeah, to this river. Yeah, to the river yeah. itself. There's, a, yeah, there's a lot in the, um, the star group for this area too that, there's a lot of serpentine imagery there. So this section of the sky, as I think we talked about in the Scorpio Deccan cards, contains the royal star Antares, Antares, which means rival of Aries or rival of Mars because of its red color and its brightness. It's actually, not only is it a royal watcher star, but it's the 15th brightest star in the sky. So it's, that's pretty bright. It's quite powerful and potent. Um, some of its other names besides, the, uh, Antares are the Watcher of the West, the Lord of the Seed, the Crowned Serpent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in Chinese astronomy, it was called the Fire Star. Hmm. Because of its redness. Because of its color, yeah. And it was also, uh, um, they associated it with the emperor, which is a martial thing. So there's yeah. more, there's yeah, so more, more Mars. Now that area of the sky, 
mm-hmm. there's a really dark spot that looks it's a nebula and it looks like it has dark tentacles going mm-hmm. out which again mm-hmm. not only talk seems like very serpenty monstrous and dark like where scorp- scorpions like to hide in dark places it's a really dark area of the sky with these like black cool looking nebula tentacles in creepy. it so that's kind of cool and creepy yeah. um the star Antares in astrology, when it's connected significantly with a chart, says to bring uh, great success, but life is has lots of intensity and extremes. I was going to say, these red stars are, I didn't think of them as being particularly lucky, but yeah. They bring great success, but mm-hmm. like it said, it said there can be life and death, like there can be self undoing and 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 self destructiveness and life and death intensity going on in the in the lifetime of the native gotcha that's really interesting so the the constellation scorpius itself um one of the other things that i thought was kind of cool in babylonian mythology it's associated with the myth of marduk who was mm. a god of light who was struggling to overcome Tiamat, the monster of the waters of darkness. So mm. again, there's that light, yeah. and light and darkness, you know, the struggle between light and dark that goes on in the scorpion. And the monster too. That's, yeah. That's also. the And it's a wa- monster of the waters, the watery depths. Right. In uh, Maori culture, that scorpion was a fish hook. So again, that oh, brings nice. in fish as noon Scorpio. It was a fish hook made by the jawbone. I think they're, they're god, they had a god Maui and his, the fish hook was made by the jawbone of his grandmother or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the myth goes that with it, he pulled up the island of New Zealand <laughs> from the ocean and then his hook was flung into the sky and became a constellation. Yes. So uh, I wanted to ask you about the sun in this, which is, you know, great because it's, it has to do with the sun in Scorpio, which you have on the six of cups. And I would, and I pulled out all the other prince cards because I wanted to see what the sun was like in those because of sun six Tiferet. Yeah. Yep. And you can sort of see the daylight in all of them. I kind of wondered if there was some sort of like, you know, sunrise, noon, sunset kind of a thing going on. Hmm. Not consciously, Not consciously, but I bet you could yeah. make one if uh, <laughs> you, you probably could, could make one somehow. What did what time of day did you think of this one being sunset? Mm-hmm. Like in the the, the west, mm-hmm. the watcher right. of the west, the right. um, the autumn equinox. That's why you know Scorpio is associated with death because and of that. the water uh, is associated yeah. with the west. Yeah, mm-hmm. the autumn equinox. Mm-hmm. So that one's definitely sunset. Yeah, and you could think of the fire one as noon. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. And probably, Swords probably. Dawn. Yeah, I'm not so sure. Not sure? Yeah. Of course, you can't have any that are midnight. So. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. That's the that's problem. That's the problem. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess if one had to be midnight, it would probably be the earth. Yeah. And so, yeah. I guess. Pretty cool, though. Although more, I think, actually, Taurus is the watcher of the east, so that might be dawn. Mm-hmm. Did you talk about the, uh, are those Dorgies in the center? Yeah, mm-hmm. the, uh, from the, uh, Four of Swords truce. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the part of his psyche that is about rest. You know, that Four of, that Four of Swords, 
balance and rest, but that's not his preferred mode of being is, is rest. He prefers those other extremes of pleasure and pain, disappointment and pleasure. Mm-hmm. That's what he's flying from. No rest for the weary or the right, wicked. Or the wicked. He's definitely the wicked. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you've also got the clouds from that card. Yeah, which well. air, you know, air for mm-hmm. air and water. All right. So how does he show up for you? Oh, he's a slippery guy. <laughs> uh, when I, when I see this card, it usually is, has some sort of message about speaking your truth. You know, there's that bridge theory that, that connection between the conscious mind and the unconscious mind. And so it's usually a reminder to verbalize your emotions, you know, bring them up from the depths or Mm -hmm. from wherever they originate. So I'm interested to hear how he comes up for you because you seem to have some, some sense of, yes, of him being rather unpleasant at times for you. (laughs) Well, I've had him kind of both good and bad. It's just that I associate him I've had him show up in other people's readings as the bad guy, you know, as the straying spouse, as the lying the, the spouse, snake in the grass. specifically, yes. you know, <laughs> the affair that ruins the marriage. That I've seen a number of times. So he doesn't really show up that way for me, thankfully. The snake in the cup. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, um, but you know what I've had him for pretty consistently? He shows up when I have a book proposal. You know, mm. it's like, this is something I want to sell to you. This is my idea that I need to talk out and, you know, yeah. and I yeah. really want you to pick it yeah. up and love it and want it. So he's a bit of a salesman for me. I've had him for, um, when I've been a guest, like making gifts, giving gifts, bringing gifts, things like that, that sort of welcome quality about him. Swimming again, like with all of the cup courts. You know, that's just normal for me. And public speaking as well. Mm. They say public speaking, people fear more than death. So Absolutely. That's, that's perfect for the Scorpio And card. I'll tell you, <laughs> that is exactly how I used to feel about public speaking. I would, I've told you that I would script the breaths in, you know, and I would literally feel like I was about to die. And I'd be like, I've had a good life. It's okay. <laughs> it's been good enough. <laughs> You know, what you were saying about giving voice to the... Yeah, yeah. giving voice to the emotions and using that as a basis to appeal to people. Yeah, Yeah. there was a... a, um, And there's something about the eagle and the fact mm -hmm. that the eagle has such keen eyesight that the eagle can... And and in relation to the Scorpio side of things, that the eagle can see what's down in the depths of the soul. And if, if this prince can use his reasoning abilities that he has naturally as an air card air of water yeah that he can give voice to that that's right there's a poem that i just want to bring up i can't remember i didn't think of it before this but i can quickly find it all right so here is a very apropos poem by blake it is called a poison tree i was angry with my friend i told my wrath my wrath did end i was angry with my foe i told it not my wrath did grow. I think I'll read the whole thing. It's short. And I watered it in fears, night and morning with my tears, and I sunned it with smiles and with soft, deceitful wiles. And it grew both day and night till it bore an apple bright, and my foe beheld it shine, and he knew that it was mine. And into my garden stole, when the night had veiled the pole, 
in the morning, glad I see my foe outstretched beneath the tree. Wow, that's <laughs> so this perfect. Is, right? The, right? The the anger and the telling it and, and the, the poison, poison and the speaking truth and the, the, the stifling, the anger right. and holding and secretiveness. Of- exactly. But the moral of the story is right at the beginning. I was angry with my friend. I told my wrath. My wrath did end. So th- what you were saying about telling the thing that's in your heart, giving it voice and speaking it is to me, you know, the, the, the secret of this card. Yes. Rather than making it grow into a poison. Fruit. Right. A, yeah. a vengeful thing that you cherish forever. <laughs> <laughs> the grudge that the right. prince holds right. forever right. and ever right. and ever yeah. until it becomes lethal. Yeah. So, um, so thank you for letting me look that up because I thought it was a good one. So, summary of the Prince or Knight of Cups. Uh, we talked about him as air of water, champagne, uh, steam, clouds, fermentation, carbonation. Rain, fog, and mist. And air of water as the bridge, and in this case, the bridge between reason and intuition. And his counterpart in the uh, Queen of Swords, Water of Air. The masculine and the feminine combined the idea of expressing your emotion, Mm -hmm. just as a cloud expresses rain. Tell your wrath that your wrath may end. The idea of the knave of hearts as as the thief. And how sorry he is, whether you believe that or not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Scorpio's motto, I desire. Mm -hmm. From I balance to I desire, right? Yeah. Uh, The thinning of the veil and Samhain and All Souls Day and All Souls Eve, which is contained within the decans of the Prince of Cups. And the idea that the powers of the princes are all have to be set in motion by their father and their mother. So in this case, he needs the idealism of his father and the reflectiveness of his mother, or the idea of the serpent in the cup as wisdom and understanding of his parents, Hokma and Binah. The story of the magician seducer, Nectonibo or Natanabo, father of Alexander the Great. The merciless nature of the scorpion. And its inability to escape its own nature. The hidden passions and fierce nature beneath a calm exterior. Truce, disappointment, and pleasure. Uh, death, desire, and sacrifice. The fire star Antares in the dark nebula with tentacles. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> the flying fish. Subtlety, secret violence, and craft. The battle between Marduk and Tiamat. Rubeus, the most baleful of geomantic figures. Uh, Fu, the uh, hexagram 61, the inner truth. Pigs and fish. The currents and volatility of water. The storyteller and the con man. The feathered serpent. The eagle, the serpent, and the scorpion. The rivers of Scorpio. And the serpent as a healer and a seer. The white horse of death and the gray horse of Hakma. Unexpected money and duplicity. (laughs) The hidden scorpion. (laughs) Okay, I think we got it. All righty. So, so long to... (laughs) <laughs> I want to say so long to Slick Willie. <laughs> All right. So, so long to the um, secretive, magnetic, sexy, and duplicitous Prince of Cups. 
Yes, Mr. Potent. (laughs) We will be back next time with the page or princess of cups. And that's our episode for this week. If you love Fortune's Wheelhouse, and really, who doesn't, you may want to pick up the book version of the podcast. It's called Tarot Deciphered, Decoding Esoteric Symbolism in Modern Tarot, and it's available both online and in bookstores. In Tarot Deciphered, you can find just about everything we talk about in the podcast. Well, almost everything. There aren't quite so many dick jokes. And it's over 600 pages, so when you're not reading it, you can use it as a doorstop, or a paperweight, or a flower press. Whatever floats your boat. If you'd like to connect with over a thousand smart, nice, and most importantly, like-minded friends on social media, you can visit the Fortune's Wheelhouse Academy group on Facebook, which is open to all. Many of us, including myself, are there every day posting our daily draws and spells to go with them, and it's a great place to see esoteric tarot in action. Fortune's Wheelhouse has a red bubble shop where you can load up on Fortune's Wheelhouse merch, including coffee mugs, t-shirts, and notebooks printed with all the astrological correspondences of the minor arcana, because we are nerds. That is at redbubble.com slash people slash wheelhouse93 slash shop. Mel's main store, where you can read her articles and subscribe to her newsletter, is at tarotcart.com. Her auction site, which has periodic offerings of -of out-of-print items, one-of-a-kind items, art prints, and original art, is at tarotcart.auction. And her website for new work and updates on her projects is, as always, tabulamundi.com. You can find me at tsusanchang.com, where you can find links to my classes, sign up for a reading or mentorship session, and learn about my upcoming events. And if you're interested in my custom arcana cases and silken brocade for your decks and my customized astrological perfumes, you can find those at etsy.com slash shop slash tarotista. You can also get talismanic eight of wands, keychains, and luggage tags there because everybody needs those. So come visit us online and pick up something wonderful for a tarot-loving friend or just for yourself because you are a hero of the astral plane and we so appreciate your support. <laughs>